Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, and welcome to The Gong Show. My name is Steph Postuma. I'll be joined by chefs Andy Burns and Simon Evans to talk about issues relating to food and the hospitality industry with insights from guests, including chefs, business owners, producers, policymakers, and experts. This week, we're talking about pop-ups and local food. What does that mean? And we're joined by Brendan Cato from The Farmed Table. Brendan does local produce-based pop-ups around different regions of New South Wales, and we get into what he does and what local produce means to him. Hope you enjoyed the show. Let's do it. Sweet. Well, welcome to the first podcast of 2019. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Steph Postuma, and with me is Simon Evans, Hello. chef owner of Kavo Restaurant here in Wollongong, Andy Burns. Hey. And we've got Brendan Cato here from the Farm Table. G'day, Brendan. Hey. Thanks. Thanks for cu- thanks for jumping aboard for the first podcast of 2019. Great. We'll, um, we'll kick off with an acknowledgement of country. We would like to acknowledge the Darawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land of the Illawarra and pay respect to elders past and present. Uh, guys, first show of 2019 and we had a meeting, which is something that we don't often do, like have a meeting about the podcast. Usually we just talk about the podcast we after we finish the a podcast. Place, drinking coffee. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, <laughs> And we were talking about what we actually like wanted to do with the show for 2019. And basically, um, yeah, like what, what we sort of, we sort of took stock of where we were. And essentially we started the Gong Show podcast to talk about food issues in the Illawarra, but it very quickly became a podcast about food issues in general. Um, and we thought that we'd kind of keep going down that pathway and not sort of, uh, not sort of put a boundary on, on, on what we talk about and we'd like to expand it, sort of broaden it for a, for a bigger audience, talk about issues that relate to international and national food, not just local food here in the Illawarra, um, and also travel with it and talk to people in other regions and things like that as well. Mm, um, get it going. So that's kind of one of the things that we're hoping to do for 2019, mm. provided we don't all... Just get way too busy like we always do. Yeah, in between everything else. I think we realised quite quickly that any food issue is is a, is a larger issue anyway. It's not just the Illawarra things we were talking about. It wasn't just local. It kind of it was national anyway. Mm. So um, that just kind of happened. We didn't really think about that. Mm. 
Well, you need shit to talk about today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the thing. But there's, a, yeah, the, like, I, I don't know. I think one of the, the cool things about this podcast is we don't really filter anything and and we kind of do sort of turn over some stones that, that, that you don't really see usually in, 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 in the media. So it's kind of cool to be able to broaden that and do, what, do, do whatever we want, really. Yeah. So we will be renaming the podcast and reformatting it and we're going to sort of figure all, figure all that out and make some new artwork and all that sort of thing. But that's still to come, um, provided we agree on a new name. After Valentine's Day. After Valentine's Day. Let's get to that first. That's it. <laughs> Andy and I, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I mean, we'll just get straight into it with you, Brendan. Um, the farm table. Look, let's just start. Tell us about the farm table. When did it start? What's it all about? Um, yeah, I guess farm table. When did it start? Probably two thousand and twelve. I think it was. Okay. It was. Uh, I got back from doing a little stint overseas, and um, yeah, I thought um, you know I wanted to basically get behind local produce and and producers and first ever dinner was down at Diggies. I was going to say, that yeah. must have been close. Yeah, yeah, first one. Um, and yeah, I, I utilised local produce from the South Coast and and then, you know, everything from the olive oil to the wine was from around this region. And yeah, and that was the first one. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess now it's progressed to doing various regions around Sydney and I, I moved the dinners to Sydney and I started doing some back down here and um, yeah it's all about the farmers and the producers and produce. So can you remember why you did that first one at Diggies like what did you just kind of have the idea of doing a pop-up or was it about the local produce? Yeah I think I maybe it was 2013 actually I'm not sure but I'd come back from overseas I'd done a little stint um, at a restaurant called Sean's Panorama in Sydney Mm -hmm. and um, he was all about local produce, produce from his farm and, you know, very farm to table sort of orientated and, uh, yeah, I thought, you know, I really wanted to highlight produce that was being supplied down here and, uh, you know, so I, I did this first dinner and then and then I thought, oh, well, mushroom season was coming up and, you know, I was like, well, why don't I go up Southern Highlands and do, you know, Southern Highland region dinner and um, it became almost like a, a way for me to explore different regions and mm. meet different producers and um, and go straight to the source and you know and learn a lot more about produce and, and farming cool so you so essentially you just sort of pick where you want to do it first and then everything else sort of comes together you, you, yeah you, you start researching producers and essentially yeah I mean I, I I think I probably covered about four or five regions sort of South Coast Southern Highlands Hawkesbury Hunter. Um, I think I even did a metro, Sydney metro sort of um, region. And that was kind of interesting. Um, but, yeah, and, and, you know, I don't allow myself to use spices or other things if I can't get them. You know, I, I basically go to the farms, and, and it's quite simple because, you know, some of the farmers might just say, I have this, 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 and this, and you've got five ingredients. And basically then you're like, right, well, I'll create the menu based off that um pretty steady cook yeah exactly (laughs) and and the hard the harder ones that i have done where i I rock up and it's like uh you've got 15 ingredients and i'm like oh yeah it's too much just (laughs) you know so essentially you're getting exactly what is freshest to Mm -hmm. that time and um and 
you know, people understanding what's in season and, and learning about uh, different, you know, like I don't cook, comp, like I cook, I get good ingredients, I cook quite simply, maybe a little bit more interestingly than your home cook, but it's about trying to introduce people to maybe different sort of techniques or way that you might be able to cook things at home. You might be able to have a, a plate, you know, a whole leek as a dish, and you might be able to have a plate of vegetables and, and it's a, a dish or... You know, use underrated seafood that nobody mm. really wants to use or they won't get served in a restaurant because when they come to the dinners they don't have a choice what they get so yeah. you know I force them to to try new things in mm. a sense um, and yeah most people are sort of walk away and I've had fishermen come and say oh never use never use you know like mac tuna mackerel tuna or bonita or things like this and you're like well Yes, it's not too bad, and like it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. that there's a there's a we can get into it later, but there's I think there's this really like old school approach to fish species still. Like there's a lot of like oh, mugs fish yeah. out there that people don't want to use, but yeah, there's kind yeah, of no, no good reason for it. Yeah. Like yeah. we'll get it, we'll get into it in a second, but yeah. let's keep talking about um, the farm table. So then, so uh, just a bit about the actual process itself. So. You picked your region, say it's the Southern Highlands, and then and then what you start just researching the farms that are around that area, and then you just kind of cold call them and say, "Hey, I'm doing this dinner. I need some produce. Can yeah. I come to the farm?" Um, essentially, I mean, I, I guess for different regions, I've generally had, even for South Coast initially, I had a point of contact. Yep. Um, someone involved in slow food, um, and then sort of get some contacts, and I spend a few days out meeting and sussing it out before I actually then spend a day going out and collecting and picking yeah, right, yes. Yeah. And so but when you spend those few days meeting initially the people, then you always meet more people. And so it's always an evolution of, you know, you don't actually, when you are sitting in a restaurant or you're at home, you, until you actually get out there and like, oh, yeah, this guy down the road, he's actually said he's got some awesome zucchinis and this and that. You know, I've been... Remember being out on the roadside in um, Southern Highlands picking mushrooms around Fitzroy Falls years ago, and you know, random some old guys there, and he's picking up rubbish from the side of the road, and you know, and I said, "Oh, how are you going?" He's like, "Yeah, good." And he's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, I'm collecting mushrooms." I said, I told him, talk, told him about the dinners, and I was really struggling for produce, and he said, "Oh, I'm just this is my property over here. I've got a whole heap of um, I make wine. I've got Jerusalem artichokes. I've got this and that." said, oh, could I, you know, come and have a, yeah, yeah, come out, you know, walked away with kilos of free produce that he was happy to give me. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, bottles of homemade wrapper and Schumberson wine that he, you know. So it's not until you actually do get out there and, and yeah. sort of meet these people that you kind of um, meet more people. There you go. And he knows the guy down the road. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. And then as far as locations go, um, I guess I started at Diggies and I was prepping at uh, Dagwood when um, when when was it in the mornings, Annie? I think I you. Were, I can't remember. I was going in maybe in the mornings or something like that to no, prep, like or, no, or a night when you were. 2012 or something. Yeah, I think it was 2012. I just remember getting in there. And this is classic Stan and Ads. And there was all this stuff in my cool room and I had like an event on as well and I was like, what's all this stuff? <laughs> and then Brennan shows up and I was like, oh, hey, man. Oh, like, there's a new chef and, in here And too. he's like, oh, no one told you. Yeah. Okay. And it was like, yeah. yeah. I think, I think, I think well. yeah, well, the cool room was tiny. And yeah. 
Oh, he wasn't like there prepping. It was just the stuff. Oh, there anyway. was a lot of storage going on, yeah. and I was just like, okay. Yeah, it's always yeah, <laughs> kind of like evolved, and it, it kind of I don't know how I've made it work, but it, it works. <laughs> I've gone to places like Yas before and done cooked in a cafe and like prepped all the night before in this random cafe, and then had for the next two nights had people come to the dinner. Um, in a random place like Yas, yeah. or um, it's kind of cool. Market it? Like, uh, I think some people there, did, but you know, you go to the country towns and there's like one restaurant. Yeah, so you, once word gets around, yeah, like someone, a friend <laughs> asked me to come, and then she just said, "Yep, this thing's on," and then no one else can get tickets. You know, so um, and then it became about uh, then I, you, you know, I was in Sydney and Surrey Hills and Bondi, and and then did some stuff in warehouses, so secret Prohibition-style warehouse um, dinners, obviously liquor licensing and stuff were a little tricky. Um, private events, though, so it's a close yeah. event. Mm. People find out the night before where the event is. And then... I like that. That's yeah, cool. it's mm. pro- properties, like on my parents' property down at Fox Crown under the trees, just make a fire and cook for 80 people yep. very slowly. <laughs> um, so and then it's become about creating a different uh, creating different atmospheres and ambience and um, Mecca Poffid where I host a lot of them now and it's you know, the luxury of having a combi oven and, yep. and a normal kitchen I've done some in warehouses where I bring a blowtorch and two burner gas thing and a little oven I found in the back alleyway of where I lived and you know, you prep it in a kitchen and you bring it and you're a little bit yeah. restricted as to how you can, you know, what you can serve, but it's... it's it kind of shapes your menu a bit as well. It does. Facilities. You've got, like, some things yeah, we did a dinner up at the Urban Winery in Sydney and yeah. they've got no kitchen and we were on, like, table set up on, on, on the, like, yeah. barrels and stuff and they had to cook everything here and yeah. had, like, set up a barbecue on the front and, like, that just, like, really kind of, that forces you yeah. certain ways to cook and... and Definitely a raw well. trade dish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Refines your cold skills. <laughs> How many can we do? Yeah. So is that it? like is that is that sort of thing a challenge that you that you enjoy, or is it sometimes just a pain in the ass? <sighs> I enjoy it after it's done. I was yeah. going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's very rewarding. I, after you, you know, because I generally go out and sort of say hi to people at the start and just explain about the concept, and then go out after as well and. Um, a lot of people probably don't realise and they think that you can just, yeah, you're just cooking this and you get to use whatever, whereas if I don't find lemons, I don't use lemons. You know, if I use a vinegar, it's a vinegar that I make. It's not like, you know, I don't use any of these external products that we can go and just buy. Um, so it kind of, it makes it harder, but it also makes it easier. And, yeah, if you wanted to add things to a dish, textural things or, or acidity or things like this, and, well, sometimes I just don't because... I don't can't source them. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm quite strict with that, and and that then sort of pushed me to um, go and forage for a lot of free food and introduce mm-hmm. people to uh, utilising different weeds and mushrooms and sea plants and things. Because then it's another ingredient that I can utilise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there weren't many, and um, and then also teaching people that you can sort of utilise some of this free food that's around us and. You know, not have to go to the supermarket and buy a packet of baby spinach wrapped in plastic for four dollars, and and you can sort of go out in your backyard as long as it hasn't been sprayed and and pick different weeds. It's mm. going to be so much nicer and better for yeah, you. Yeah, it's great. Like that. What then? I mean, let's just talk in general then. 
what like what are you what what are some of the the benefits like what are some of the things that you like the most about doing pop-ups rather than just being you know a, a standard chef that works in a kitchen i uh, i mean i guess the the enjoying side is meeting the producers and going to the producers for me like i've worked in you know a few sort of restaurants in sydney and did my you know my early days then but it was kind of the same thing you're cooking someone else's food and doing it day in day out and it's pretty hard work whereas diversity for me now and especially like if you're if you're a creative person and you're an artist it's the same you you want to sort of do new things and try new things you don't want to do the same thing again and that's essentially Mm. every farm table I do it's a brand new menu it's not I don't have a uh, rest like a um, dish or whatever you know a um, signature dish it's just like you know I've never written a recipe down it's just about cooking and and creating and and so when I go and meet producers like and some of these guys like I go to this old couple in Kangaroo Valley at Yarrawarra State. It's about an hour and a half extra for me to drive to yeah. get there. Most of the time I could probably not go, but I go because I really love to catch up with them. They try and make me a, you know, a coffee. Sometimes I make it for myself and <laughs> just to grind a little bit. But, um, you know, like have a good chat. And, and it's about connecting with these people and, and um, learning about what's there. And, and again, they'll always tell me they've got nothing there and you rock up and then you just basically found everything that you yeah, need yeah. so yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah it's it's. I think diversity is the key for me and, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah like yeah. for a lot, a lot of chefs especially if you're not running your own place and when you are running your own place trying to get out and meet producers is, is time consuming anyway but I think people definitely miss that connection because it is very exactly kind of cooking it's like cooking someone else's recipes ingredients you don't know where they're from they're yeah. just coming in you know, your veggie guy brings them in a big box they yeah. down and you do the same thing to them every day, yeah. exactly the same. And, and that's, that's the Yeah, that's I'm the sure if, if you guys had the opportunity to have an extra day off a week and could go to the farm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of the questions that I had. So most chefs you'd probably talk to would say that they don't get out to farms to meet their producers as much as they'd like to, mm. just because of the demanding nature of you know being a chef. Is there a way that that can change, do you think? Like, do you think that it's important enough for there to be some sort of, like, moves made by either head chefs or chef owners or owners of businesses to ensure that their chefs actually get out there a sufficient amount? And, um, you know, like, is it is it the responsibility of the owners maybe sometimes to be like, all right, every quarter we're going to do, we'll get, the chefs are doing a trip and they're going out and they're meeting the people and they're getting that connection because it translates on the menu. Like, it always does. Every time, Like, I worked in a place in Canberra and, like, it was a, a new venue and they took the whole staff out to visit all the farms we'd be using before it opened. And the, the way that allowed not only, like, the, the guys in the kitchen but the front of house as well to talk about the produce and to connect, like, tell the stories of these things was so beneficial. Like, people would leave the restaurant going... They really know what they're talking about. They're really passionate yeah. about it and they're walking the walk, you know what I mean? So is that something that can change? Like, or is it just, like, do we just have to sort of recognize that it's a demanding industry and it's always going to be one of those things that gets left on the back burner because you've got people to feed every night? It's completely doable. Like, and yeah. But you really have to ask your staff to do it on the day off. Yeah. Like, even if you pay them, whatever. But, like, 
it's not uh, we either do it then or or for instance today we would have to leave here at seven in the morning and do it before work which would make their day yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the day like it'd have to be the day off. But do you think that that's a like not a reason? Like a, I think isn't that a reasonable thing to say? Like we're going to pay for you guys to jump on a jump in a van, some beers, like yeah, for the day. And, I, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it's tough. Like we, all, most of our most of our staff are casual. Um, they're in uni. They're doing okay, yeah. So a lot of time, the reason they work here is because they're available in in the evenings. Um, when, when we're actually open. So there's, there's things like that. even trying to get like trying to get a date for a staff party. But that stuff is fucking hard sometimes. Because like, now I've got exams that day or exams the day after or something's going on. So try to get people, like even you know, casual staff, are busy people with what the other things they're doing. So it's hard for that. Um, also, mm. a, lot, a lot of restaurants don't have that connection with mm. with farmers anyway. Like you're a lot just of people ordering. Just, ordering. Yeah, just, just, yeah. They're, 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 they're one step, when one step sort of separated. Yeah. So, so a lot of people think it would be hard to even know where to start with going to actually visit a producer. I think, I, I think another thing is that a lot of places are open seven days, like it's, well, yeah. it's a restaurant or yeah. like a, a bar or whatever. So it makes it almost impossible. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I feel like that there's room for improvement when it comes to this sort of thing. Like it, like I just remember most of the places that I've worked at. It's just like you do it once or you do it twice, and it's yeah. just something that's just was, always like people are just yeah. like fuck. We wish we could do that more. I was going to yeah. ask, did that continue after you did open because there was being a, a lot little of I think we did like another that. one with yeah. back of house not yeah. front of house as well it was never as big as the first one but um like I mean, that's like Sorry, they paid us for it, you know. Like yeah. they paid, like that was a day of work, like two days yeah. of work. We went out from Canberra, we went out to, um, you know, like Crookwell and Yass and and yeah. Myron Bateman around a lot of the wineries yeah. and stuff. We stayed the night at like the Crook, Crookwell pub and had a belter yeah. with all the staff. Got together and then, you know, whatever. Like came back via wherever. Went to a few great farms and stuff, and it was so it was so good. Like it was so good. Like. It's just interesting because because I guess a lot of the when it comes to food and hospitality as well, there's a lot of small businesses out there and they don't necessarily have a big budget to do this sort of thing. But when it comes to like team building and you know those sorts of things in the corporate world, you see it a lot. Like just yeah. organising for whole teams to get out and enjoy experiences together. And I don't know, yeah, it's room for think, improvement. I think it's yeah, just fucking hard to do it. Yeah, I think it, it's going to be maybe better in implementing something on the regular. Like we like we've done it. Got to farms into truffle farm last year to a truffle hunt. Um, just before we were doing our truffle dinner, and that was that was great for all the staff to, and for us as well. Learned so much from from just spending a couple of hours out there uh, digging up truffles. Um, and then for our truffle dinner, people staff could say you know, we actually went up there. We were there. We mm-hmm. dug up. We were with the dogs. Um, and then bringing that connection to the dining room is super important. And then it, it does kind of pay off. I think a lot of the problem is. is you might spend if you take take your stuff away and stay the night and go to different places. That's just quite it's quite an expense. Yeah, and you don't necessarily see any sort of monetary value coming back. Mm. It, it does help. It is, it is important. It does help your service, but it's quite hard to see that in the short term. Mm. Uh, I think if if like we went to Moonacres last last year, um, can't remember middle of the year maybe March I think. Sorry, um, and that was great. Like and but the guys, I just said if you want to come, like. They're chefs. Mm, yeah. Like, they, they can, you know, learn so much from it personally. Like, as much as, like, we're going to benefit from it. It was more for them, really, mm. to come and see where we're getting produce from and learn a bit about it. And they loved it. Yeah. Like we had even, like, Jesse that was on the podcast a while back. He just came with us because he wanted yeah. to come with us. He was <laughs> the old jumping guy. But, like, yeah, going and meeting them 
meeting these guys have all got their own stories. They've all got their own reasons for doing what what they're doing. Like you talk about organic and you know sort of farm to table and like they're just words. But That's then the when thing. you go and see these guys, you you learn why they want to grow produce this way and, and where it's sort of come from and where they've come from. And mm. that makes a massive difference into for, for a chef owner learning into why, you know, you can say, I want to use this stuff, but do you really know why you want to use it? Like, mm. do you want to use it because people think those words are mean your restaurant's good? Or like you want to use <coughs> it, like I've learned why I want to use it because these, these guys mm. love what they do. Mm. Yeah. And it, that sort of translates... Onto the, onto the plate. In, it's just yeah, good to get out of the kitchen sometimes is, as well. Yeah. Like, like, mm. Bit of sunshine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll circle back to, to to local produce and visiting farms and, and things like that, but we'll, we'll, we'll go through a bit more about um, doing pop-ups, Brendan. Um, well, firstly, that must be one of the really cool things about the way that you do it is that these guys are looking to find the time to get out to these farms, and they do, but you, you actually find yourself the time to spend a few days in a region exploring the place and like you say that provides you the opportunity to meet people like this guy that you said you met on the side of the road who was picking yeah. up rubbish and stuff like that so is that one of the sort of more rewarding things about yeah it? exactly i mean it's, it's it's pretty intense work now when i do the dinners i try and do a friday and saturday night yeah so that involves um probably on a, a wednesday yeah so wednesday we would spend the entire day going to different farmers collecting produce um, and prepping it the next day and then um, Friday, Saturday dinners and then Sunday a bit of a you know, a bit of a clean up and whatnot. so it, yeah I do I make the time, I have to make the time mm. and find the time but um, but yeah it's super rewarding once you're out there and yeah, it, yeah. It, but it takes a long way, you know it's not a short trip doing this little like Sydney, yeah. like, Southern Islands and South Coast and grab your cream here and do this. Yeah. And go to three different veg guys <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm just get yeah. it all at one guy. Yeah, it's it's um yeah. I mean, but it would be hard for chefs that, to actually yeah. do that. Which I think that's the reality of it. And there's a lot of a lot of bullshit with chefs who kind of act like they like every day is like like when you do a pop up, they're mm. going around the, the markets and they're going to little farms and they're picking yeah. stuff up yeah. and they're what should we cook? What should we cook? Yeah. And, like, and they get up at one a.m. Do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's fuck all people in the world of the restaurant who actually do it like that. A lot of people might say or you know yeah. make it appear like that's how they cook, but very very yeah. few because you you need consistency in the kitchen. You, you need to exactly. have things to do the same way, and that's why it is it's yeah. kind of drudgery for a lot, yeah. of, a lot of younger chefs. But yeah. that's kind of the way it needs to be. So it's. Um, it's cool that you're actually doing Yeah, I definitely think that there are a lot of restaurants and, you know, that have really, they play play off this sort of farm-to-table movement. And, yeah. You know, yeah. whether it's, say, oh, herbs from the garden or this and we've got that. And, um, you know, it, it, there, I, uh, yeah, I just think um, some people have sort of, yeah, definitely... Yeah, it's, Blame, a, it's a buzzword and people want yeah, to use it for and, promotional and, purposes. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's great that people are sort of thinking about that now and that way more inclined. But, um, yeah, I guess reality is it was it's difficult to do. And it wasn't until I'd worked at um, Sean's and he's probably... At the time, I didn't really sort of take it on board that much. But, I mean, he, we were getting fresh produce from his farm. We are getting the lambs if... 
and then every week he'd go to the growers section at the at Flemington Market, fill up the van, and just come back and say, "Yeah, I was thinking we might do this with that, and maybe we could do a pasta with this." And and you know, we're using cider vinegar from Bilpin and local olive oil. And it wasn't until I had actually left that I was like, "Well, this guy's actually doing it. He's not yeah, ju- yeah. creating a fuss. He's not jumping up and down. He's not selling it as." much as anyone else is that probably isn't even doing it mm. and um, yeah and I, I sort of learned a lot you know after working there yeah. I realised that I did about local produce and, and, and yeah and utilising what's around you cool yeah. um, Simon you've before talked about when you, you're creating a menu that you if you launch a new menu like whatever dish might be on that menu because you've got the time to repeat that dish over and over and over over the course of the season, you really refine it. And then by the end of that menu, essentially, it's like at its best yeah. and you've nailed it. But then you've got to start all over again. Brendan, is like the ability to re- like spend a lot of time refining dishes and things like that something you miss? Or is it like, is just the, the sort of spontaneous nature of it and, and the temporary nature of it something that, that you value um, more than that? I think that? that's half the fun. I mean, to be honest, like I've got ideas of how I want to do it all and then I write the menu the night before based on the produce I have. Sometimes it might even change after that. But um, And then, you know, I'm lucky to try the dish before it goes out. But um, most <laughs> of the time, sometimes I try it after I've served everyone and I'm yeah. like, but such a hard thing to get everything together exactly you you know i mean as chefs you know what's going to work and what's not to an extent and there is that 10 5 percent where you like saying you know you can refine and you can refine and you can just uh, um yeah that luxury i don't have and and that's fine i'm happy with um sort of just kind of making use you've got like your your background in cooking you get a technique and you know like if you get some chicken you know I'm going to cook like that with the breast yeah. that way so like, at least yeah. you know like chicken's done what else what yeah. else have I got like cook exactly. that way like, a lot of times especially if you're cooking quite simply with a couple of ingredients if you just cook everything well and season it well it will taste nice together exactly like, yeah. so if you're not trying to do stupid fucking flavour combinations yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that, that gets rid of one yeah. one worry about anything in the first yeah. place mm. you'll be right yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cook it well season it well done yeah. um what, let's talk about the customers, like the people that come and have dinner at one of your events. Do you feel like that there is a different expectation from them to people walking into a restaurant? Do you have sort of like a bit of freedom of people not maybe being as critical because it is an event or is it the opposite? Is it people are like, well, this is a special event. Like I want this, I expect this to be awesome. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's an expectation, but I guess now a lot of the customers are repeat customers. Okay. But... For me now, it's all about creating an experience for the for the diners that's very far from your normal restaurant experience. So back from when we were yeah doing it in warehouses and using you know blow torches and fires and and me running the food out or to now um, yeah just you know selling like selling it sort my wine at the dinners I you know so it's the food and the wine combination. There's um, have a little chat to the chef, you know, um, tell them about some of the wild food that's on the plate and the music. Um, yeah, it's about creating an experience for the diners. Mm. And, um, you know, I think 
the ones, the new ones that come are generally like, oh, that looks like, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. something that you normally wouldn't get in a restaurant. Yeah. It's kind of fun. That's the fun thing about going to an event, yeah. yeah, especially a pop-up or something yeah. like that, is that you kind of don't know what you're going to get, like, it, mm-hmm. or whatever, like, you probably don't know what the menu is. Exactly. And, and yeah. you, you just rock up and, but I think, I feel like there's potentially a little bit more, like, sort of, not forgiveness is the wrong word, but but customers might be a little bit more open and a bit more lenient that if like, you know, their meal didn't come exactly when they wanted it to or whatever, yeah. or they or it was like, oh, we ran out of this ingredient, so we've substituted it with this or whatever it might be. People are like, oh, that's cool. Like, whatever, give us another glass of wine. Like, yeah. let's, yeah, let's just have yeah, fun. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. So they're not, maybe not as accountable as well, like you guys with your, with your, with your uh, online reviews. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. The, Georgia, the Georgia one, and Parsi, um, they just have done some mega stuff, but I went to one, a traveller in uh, Melbourne, traveller. Yeah, I've been to one of them as well, yeah. It's the tiniest, like, little hallway-style space, and um, the food was being cooked on, like, a toasty press. Yeah. Giorgio, it was just, it was just mayhem. Yeah. It was pretty yeah. funny. And there's not even chairs like, and tables. You just no, sit out the front on the street. We were yeah. in the alleyway. <laughs> yeah. As long as people have booze, yeah. it's all That's the most yeah. important yeah. thing. <laughs> we can all agree well, on we that. We definitely had that. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that can be part of the experience as well. Like, yeah, everyone's probably talking about how, how mad it was, but the food was delicious. Yeah. And the wine was delicious. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, the other thing that, like, I've, you know, I said they haven't got a choice in what they eat, but I've found that when I go out with people and I go out with friends and we go to a restaurant, everyone just looks at me and they say, <laughs> you just order. order. And, you know, that's because when you go out with people, you just want to, like, sit down, drink, just catch up. Do you really want to like um, sift uh, through yeah. menus? Well, some, and, people yeah. some people do. <laughs> some people but do. But I'd yeah. say the majority of people enjoy the fact that they they get there, they get a drink, and then they yeah. just they don't have to worry. Everything's taken care of. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that as you're well. You're going to enjoy as a diner and a customer. That's you're going to enjoy that. I've I've mm. almost given up ordering at restaurants now. Like oh, yes. and, and yeah, wine as well. I don't even fun. order wine anymore. Like I, I think the last time I went out, yeah, you just go out and you say, "Can you just choose for us and just give us well, the wine that you think we should drink to?" Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so it's just like annoying if there's not like a feed meal or a chef. Yeah, I know. Like, what is this? Well, we, cool? Oh my god! We, 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 we rattled people the other day. Like yeah. we were at a, at a at a little bar up in Thrill, like for dinner, and it wasn't a place where you tell them to feed you, but we told them, to, like, it was like it had burgers and, you know, whatever, like, a bit of Mexican stuff and sliders and this and that on the menu. It was good food. And we were just like, can you guys just decide for us? And they're like, oh, um, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway, it's yeah, funny. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about local produce. Um, we'll get into some of the farms that, that are sort of around the Illawarra and stuff in a second, but I want to talk more a little bit about this idea of it being like local being a buzzword that you see on menus and you know on the description on restaurants instagrams and 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 those sorts of things like is is local always like is is it going to get to a level do you guys think where it just becomes more mainstream and accepted in higher quality venues or is it always just going to be that thing that you, you you try to achieve as much as you can and it's used as a bit of a buzzword in the industry and things like that. Like, I feel like it was a bit more of a buzzword than it is now. I feel like there was a there was a time when, like, you know, a few years ago when everyone was just jumping on the local bandwagon. And now there's sort of places that are more sort of settled into, like, this is just what we do. Do you see it becoming more commonplace and improving? Or, or is it something that's always going to be that thing that you do as much as you can, use it as a bit of a buzzword, 
but it's not like the core of your ideology. Just doing it. Yeah, I think there's just more people doing it. Part of the restaurant, but I think at a certain level there is. I think like, uh, like, like use quite a lot of local stuff, use lots of local stuff, and we try and change a lot of staples to local things, so not just buying them, but like. So many people just say local produce, and then you're like, "Where are your eggs from? Where's your, where's your oh, where's there's your a massive gap. Above? Like, there's a massive gap. Yeah, and then I think actually, then at the the top sort of top end, like Key don't care about using local stuff. They want the best stuff. Yeah, where, wherever that might come from. Well, what's local in Sydney anyway? Well, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you go to the mountains, or yeah, yeah. I mean, with locality in Australia, is it's hilarious anyway. Mm. Like, like in the UK, it's like that field across from the restaurant. Yeah, Australia's a bit, it's a bit more vast, but um. I think there's, there's still there's still just like more people claiming they use local stuff than are actually doing it, um, mm-hmm. and that's a bit of a problem. And I think there is a, there is a gap. Like you got your restaurant has to be able to charge a certain price that's for you to thing, be able yeah. to pay top yeah. dollar for all the little things mm-hmm. that that you want to buy and use. Like yeah. you can't just be a cafe. Um, yeah, if your margins are super expect, tight. Exactly, people's like, expectations of the price when they come in kind of dictate as well. Yeah. Like I mean, you can just do it. And up your prices, and then deal with like maybe maybe it could be a draw card, or maybe it could be pushing people away. Yeah, they also, like, like, they also like because there's no yeah, what is local. Like local would just be oh we use stuff in New South Wales, and that they they could then claim it's local. So like I mean I think it's uh, there's no real definition of what locality is. Do you think that like with that point that you said, Andy, like perhaps some of these producers, right? Let's take like filmy poultry like for example they they sell wholesale so they sell to like restaurants and chefs and and things like that but then they also sell to people who then sell it again like leisure coast or whatever um like is there an opportunity for places if if more chefs get around a local producer and there's there's no middlemen in that distribution chain you've got direct access and the demand from restaurants for that producer is higher that price point can come down a little bit because you know they 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 don't also have to rely on a wholesale market they can just rely on the chefs that support them is that something that can is realistic at all depends from producer to producer like a lot of times i feel like it's got you know depending on the size of the producer it's got to be to do with the volume being bought the starters Mm. and the what's a lot of the guys I know the price is just the price, like this like meat is different than vegetables, I think yeah because it yeah. needs to be processed properly, you know whereas like I, I Erica and Hayden text me and say this is what I've got, um, and they just send me a text. But those meat, guys might be an example vegetables. because they 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 deal exclusively with restaurants, don't they, or do they? Yeah, yeah, I think they exactly. Do so a little bit of stuff to a couple of like stores, but sure. it's. I mean, their volume, like just things like key and and Benelong, like compared to me, like they they're probably ordering two thousand mm. of something piece of here barlet onions, and I'm ordering a hundred yeah for the week. So I mean, they've it just varies throughout the year as well with what they've got. And so, but I think the point I was trying to make is meat and like the point of filming compared to like vegetables. It's just it's very different. It's sort of supply and demand as well. Like if you weren't taking that you know, hundred or whatever. From that farm, someone else would. So why are they going to let you charge you less? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it depends on the company. Like so, some yeah, some people yeah. If there was uh, if they're large enough to be to sustain and then to be able to, I've seen a lot of, lot of vegetable farms. Like a lot of people we've gone to have been like, oh, we already supply them and them, so we probably can't do, yeah. do again. Because well, you know, the point of you still like they said, we yeah. can't supply you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, 
lot of these places at the time, similar, similar like the film here, like, you know, we, we can sort of, we, direct, we deal directly with them, we can serve everyone you know, 20 ducks a week because we're going to have that on the menu yeah. for that amount of time. So that, that That's in, 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 in some ways, that gives us mildly good buying power. In other ways, it means there's a lot that we can't use because they can't supply consistently for eight weeks so we'll which makes, it makes it pretty hard yeah yeah okay like, give me yeah, I think those small producers as well like they are so small like Buena Vista and like you know maybe they haven't been their distribution isn't set up and they're like yeah that's another thing like it's almost some of these small producers they almost need to have someone working half, you know full time half time whatever yeah. driving around delivering to these and like little, ideally for us yeah a lot of times it's just not what necessarily be what they're about either like yeah, the yeah. ones I speak to it's like you got to track down a number and then you mm. finally like you can send five emails and don't get a response and yeah. finally you get a number and yeah. oh I know here's, here's a number for them and then you get hold of them and maybe they can supply you but yeah. it's going to be really difficult yeah, maybe, yeah, or maybe exactly. they can't yeah. like, like there's simple, a lot of simple places in the highlands that I've that just won't deliver to Wollongong. Yeah, yeah um, but so but it goes to Sydney, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm thinking, how have I seen this pop up on yeah. Sydney restaurants? But or it's I mean, like, oh, you can come pick it up in Kiama this day. Mm, yeah, I don't have that, time that, to drive. That is that is what that's probably the one thing that if more people got around small local businesses, there would be a better supply. Um, even places in Sydney, like our meats, like we've got to go pick it up you know, every week since we opened. Yeah, because they don't, they don't live down here because they're they're a customer. Yeah. Um, so things like that. If, if more people you know, sort of mm. get around it and are using them, mm. and if it's financially viable for them to deliver to Wollongong, they will put that on their run. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's one thing I think would help. It's cool when I, like that you see sometimes. Um, and I've heard you know talk to people about it that are businesses connecting together and 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 sharing mm. a, like a van space or whatever yeah, it might yeah. be for a run, mm. um, which is kind of cool. But I guess like what we're talking about is like there's an issue that you know faces everyone, not just chefs of industrialized agriculture and, and the way that the food system works and imported goods and you know mass produced stuff coming in from miles away you know food miles and all that sort of thing and what, from Egypt. exactly like what and what this like what this local produce movement is is trying to do is trying to be more ethical in the way you source your produce not only in supporting the community around you but also being conscious of the environment and all that sort of stuff and i guess we're just kind of like throwing ideas out there in in ways that makes it easier for people to connect to that local produce around them and then maybe that's one of the one of the things that more people like more chefs supporting local food even if it's a pain in their ass a little bit maybe communications another thing where you know, you've you've done and you've sort of managed it, Andy. It's sort of like we with Moonacres and stuff. He's just sort of persisting with people and and saying, "Look, like I really want to get your stuff, and how can I get it? Okay, maybe I can have to go to pick it up in Thoreau. Well, I've got another supplier in the Southern Highlands. Is there any way we, they can chuck it in the yeah. same van yeah. and 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 building well, we those connections and communicating yeah. and stuff to to sort of make that stuff better? But it's definitely you know, I mean, we've identified a few of the issues that make sourcing locally from especially small boutique farmers difficult um in in a place like Wollongong but uh yeah I guess it's kind of about yeah that support and communication that that sort of will hopefully help that for chefs and you guys mm. yeah yeah I think it's kind of the, the flip of it is people will bitch complain about people not using local produce then in the next next uh, conversation we'll talk about how hard it is yeah so it's, it's like um I don't yeah don't really blame people all the time um but I think, yeah, you can, you can you can find some some easy things that people will bring to you that you can use. Mm. But, yeah. 
eggs, cream, butter. And so, like another thing that we talked about just before the podcast was uh, the idea of just there's farms out there that people don't even know about because they don't have a brand and they don't have an Instagram page and they don't have a website essentially because mm-hmm. you know it's like a 70 year old dude that's like yeah. pulling spuds by himself still like yeah. or whatever um, Highland Gourmet Potatoes which doesn't exist anymore I don't think but like they had something like 20 or 30 different types of potatoes up in Robertson yeah. and like really boutique and it was just uh, it was just Norm and his wife like these guys the these two people just norm and they didn't have a website or anything the only reason I found out about them is because like one of like his his potatoes were in one of James's from Biota's dishes and you wouldn't even know about them you know Um, so is like do you think that this is another one of the issues that that sort of the progress towards building a more sort of collective understanding of a local food network faces these these farms and stuff not having a brand, Brendan. Do you like? Like, I mean, you've you've visited plenty of farms and you've probably, you know, uncovered a few that you yeah. never have heard of. Yeah, before. even recently, and um, you know, the other month, and my normal supplier, Marlbrook um, Organics, had called the wood and they recently sold. So I was on the hunt for someone new. Oh, did they? They sell. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's not being run as an organic farm anymore. Um, so I had to go elsewhere. I was in Kangaroo Valley, got my olive oil off the olive oil lady, and then um, see the olive oil lady. Olive what's the, what's no, the name no. of the olive? Like, what's the, what's no, their brand called? It's uh, Brenda. That's uh, Kangaroo Valley Olives. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, olive oil. Yeah. Um, okay, there you go. And uh, but you know I what I mean. Like, it's not the most you recognizable. Don't know anyone, yeah. <laughs> anyone selling veg to? She said, "Oh, I know this guy, and he's out." Go out past the Berry Road, turn off, and then go next left, and blah, blah, blah. here's his number. It's not anyway. <laughs> it's <was> ten. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Of course right. it is. Um, so I went out there, and you know this guy is called Fox and Quail Farm, and um, he spent an hour with me showing me all everything around. And I mean, he's a retired guy that's kind of doing it as a bit of a hobby, and he. I guess maybe you're not really sort of forced or pushed to really sell that much but it's yeah. a hobby and he wants to do it he's got a lot of produce and um so i mean that was my that was like next veggie supplier the other week i was out cycling around um the back roads of berry there and you know i went down one road i'd never been down and found a market store pulled over and you know cg and lady and she's growing all this stuff and i was like oh mm. come back here and mm. you know but i think um yeah, that small-scale producer, probably more hobby farmish. Uh, yeah, it's maybe a maybe they don't need to go big. They don't or need don't want to, to or don't yeah. want to. Um, and they're happy supply a few people knowing it, and like you were saying about Boone Vista, and they just can't, you know. Yeah. And um, so yeah, it's it's a kind of like I think when you go to bigger places like Marlborough and Moonacre and stuff yeah they're, they're sort of need that's what they do that's what they do there's yeah. full-time staff there's wages to pay and um and they need, they need to mm. sort of get it out there and they do a good job of doing that yeah mm. it, is, it is yeah I, like i found moonacres i think that that was you steph probably told me to make contact because you'd done a podcast with yeah well phil, phil was in the southern islands book that i did yeah you put me onto him and yeah. um then he said like Oh, 
There's this guy sort of thing. Of course he's, he's, he's he is. He is. He takes about four years to warm to maybe yeah. five. He's, 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 I, had to to go up, I had to go up to the farm. Like, well, if you come up and have a look, we might be able to chat about supplying you. <laughs> okay, so well, maybe I took, you might be able to. I took everyone up there, and um, he decided he liked me and that he'd supply me produce. Yeah. Yep. No, that's good. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, like I don't know, when you when you look out there and you think about some of these really um, successful boutique producers, um, a lot of them are the ones that have a really, you know, a, a really well-crafted social media presence or online right. presence yeah. or a brand, a recognizable brand. They know how to get their product out there in the media. Like if you Google Blackmore Wagyu, or if you Google, um, you know, Epicurean Harvest, you'll find broadsheet have done stories yeah, about them and, and, and all that sort of thing. And there's a bunch of farms out there where I'd argue that, like maybe not in the case of like Blackmore's, but I'd argue that the produce is just as good as, you know, yeah. whatever. It's just the, the brand and the sort brand, of PR yeah. towards yeah. it that's, yeah. that, that's not there. And perhaps this is another one of those little sort of one percenters that, that could help is, is helping, helping farmers or farmers, you know, themselves putting a bit more attention on, on the branding and the PR side of things to get their name out there and get people interested in their product. Um, you know, nowadays you see, people doing like farm to table tours and stuff and even sort of what you do Brendan um, highlighting the work of these people through your dinners and telling them about the produce and the same as what you guys do educating people about you know some of the local producers that are in the region that they may not have heard of and stuff um, all sort of contributes to making local use the use of local produce not only for chefs but also for, for for locals who might find them at a farmer's market or buy one of their veggie boxes you know, just improving that that network. Mm. All right, cool. Let's uh, let's talk about um, some of your favourite local producers that you've sort of come across around here or up in the Highlands, sort of locally here. Is there any any standouts for you, Brendan? Um, hmm. Well, I guess yeah. I mean, like I said, I was using Marbrook. They were, they were pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was a relationship as well as you know, a supplier. I would go out there. They, I would pick my veg, um, wash it weigh it, write it on the whiteboard and, you know, hopefully fix them up next time I saw them. <laughs> yeah. if they weren't there. Um, and, um, I mean, Pecora, um, Cressida and Macca up there are pretty, pretty awesome and yeah. beautiful people. And, and It's a sheep's cheese dairy yeah, for people yeah. who haven't... Yeah, and Robinson. Sort of yeah, amazing, amazing stuff as well. I really can't... Yeah. They've just Make added that new shoes. one to the... Yeah, the Yarra Yeah, I haven't had that one yet. First, unpasteurized... Cheap cheese in Australia, and yeah. they've been working at this for years, and to try and, and and the thing is about that cheese is that the, the consistency isn't isn't there because it changes so much on the seasons, mm. and it hasn't been pasteurized, so it doesn't kill the bacteria. So it's always got different bacteria. Sometimes, depending on what the sheep are eating, it's you know it's 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 more grassy. I mean, they they grow specific pots of of legumes at different times of the year up there rotate the sheep so they're always they're not just like out eating whatever they're actually growing amazing um, grasses and seeds for the sheep to eat Um, and yeah I mean who who else now um, I I, I do use a a guy um, Tim Francis who runs a charity down at um, near Berry called a Taste of Paradise yeah I just started um, looking at, that, at them yeah. recently yeah that's and really cool. he's I mean he's donated his almost his entire life to running this charity that 
get kids from disadvantaged upbringings onto the farm to integrate them into farm life and skills that they wouldn't normally have. And uh, he doesn't often have that much produce. I think he started doing a little stall at the berry farmer's market. He supplies eggs and you know, and, he, and he has uh, goats every so often, which I generally I mm. generally get goats. But he's the sort of guy, like he's come along to, I remember we did something at Rootstock years ago and, and we had to have a producer there and um, and he, he was happy to come along and I was serving the goat and he was there as a farmer and, mm. um, you know, I had a chat to people about the product and, and the charity and um, there's been times where I've rang him and he said, no, no, I've got nothing. And I said, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, oh, we're, you know, we're sending this this um, six-year-old heifer to the slaughter. She's going to be too old and tough to do anything, so we're just going to mince it all and feed it. We need dog food. I'm like, oh. I'm like Tim, no, 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 no. This is six-year-old cow, grass-fed only, right. couldn't give birth. That's... We're good. Yeah. That's what I want. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what I want. You know, and I get this, this, you know, I go and get these secondary cuts and, um, I mean, he probably put the fillet food in this. <laughs> but, um, you know, beautiful quality dark red meat that's, um, mm. you know, got a lot of yellow. That's really good. That's yeah. really delicious. And, um, yeah, but, uh, who else? I mean, a lot of these guys are at, kind of like, Pecora's at kind of farmer's market. Um, Kaima Farmer's Market's great. Anyone who's listening, if you haven't been to Kaima Farmer's Market on a Wednesday, I'll vote get out there because yeah, yeah. the it's the only real farmer's market in the Illawarra. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. really good vibes and local producers only. Um, and yeah, Shotlanders Wagyu as well mm. at Gerringong. Again, really good yeah. product. Was he another tough one to uh, to, to crack uh, when you first met him? Oh, he was, but he's... he's, 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 he's turned a page a few years ago. And, um, <laughs> yeah, right. He's... Um, yeah, I would always ring and sort of say, oh, have you put slaughtering? He's like, yeah. And then I said, oh, can, you know, you keep the, the flanks and the skirts and the hangers for me and then maybe this. And then, you know, and then I might see a tongue hanging around. I'm like, oh, I'll take tongue. He's like, oh, it's gonna, you know, I always just feed it to the dog. I said, no, don't feed the tongue to the dog. So, um, yeah, you know, making use of, again, these some of these yeah. Products and really? offal and things that you normally wouldn't. Shotlander is a really, yeah. really class product. Yeah, like really I think like that's one thing that people but, don't know enough about. This. Yeah, it's actually yeah. a really good wagyu in Jeringo. Yeah. They, they um, actually can't, like, they do two cows every yeah. fortnight. They kind of just there. I mean, there's been a long standing DA in to put an that's abattoir right. on the farm. I think they was a decision was going to be made. Uh, last week about it by the yeah, council, right. but the neighbours have been fighting it. Neighbours yeah. in Darling Point and yeah, uh, barristers and come down once every two months. So it's going yeah. to affect them greatly. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and, and these people, instead of sending the cows up to Picton, and they always send two up at a time, um, but it would just increase their production okay. greatly. Mm, yeah. A lot of time, we used to buy what you don't only sell us like a whole cow. Yeah. Mm. And that's quite a lot of. Uh, Quite a lot of meat. fair bit of meat yeah, and as, different yeah, cows as well. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a nightmare. But yeah, it's, things like that is kind of a yeah. worth thinking. Actually, like chefs could come together a little bit. And we've thought about it before and trying to yeah. Yeah. split up a cow between a couple of people. Yeah. I'll get in on a cow. Yeah. You want a cow? Yeah, I'll put something in. I'll take twenty kilos. I'll take one off. <laughs> Chef will mince it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need it for the dogs. <laughs> 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 so much meat to get off a cow. Yeah. It's insane. We should get the whole cows with the best bolognese for dinner. Just burgers. It's just like nine plus quite humans. Yeah. (laughs) Four. Question about 
local seafood, Brendan. Um, how do you know you're getting local seafood? Uh, I well, one of my favourite producers as well. Sorry, I forgot to mention. Probably Shellhaven Square Fish Market. Um, yeah. Miles down there. He's. Um, I mean, I've developed a good relation with these guys um, over the years, and it's not like I'd say that it's a pretty frightening thing for a lot of people to go to a fish shop and buy a fish generally halfway because of the attitude of the people serving them and um, not yeah. knowing how to do anything. And I've been in the fish shops before around here and. You know, I go in and sort of have a bit of a prod and people are like, don't touch the fish. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean, I can pick up an apple and people eat it and I can touch a fish and you scale it like, yeah. and it's got to get cooked. And yeah. yeah, and that's a way to tell how fresh things are. But you do understand it a bit. But that they are, um, like I've been in there before, met the fishermen. They bring in a whole bunch of sea mullet or they, now to the point where Miles will tell me who the fisherman was, what boat it came from. And he knows that I only um, want local produce, and I often want um, seafood. I often want seafood that is harder to move, or you know, I'm not yeah. after your tuners, I'm not after your snapper. Um, I'm after different sort of you know, fish that generally, like people wouldn't know what to do with, so that when they do eat it, or when I serve it, they're like, "Oh, you know, do this with Taylor, or you can." You know, you can just bake a whole leather jacket or you can have a leather jacket raw. It's like, um, you know, it's one of the cheapest fish yeah, always. And, and sustainable. It's totally delicious. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think there's no, it's like you can, you just, you ask and you, you just have to a relationship just communication, with, the, yeah. with the fishmonger. I mean, if they are passionate people and they care about their product, they'll tell you exactly where it comes from and, um, and, you know, maybe where it was caught. But the unfortunate thing is with, seafood and especially down the south coast we've had some of the best seafood in, in Australia maybe even the mm. world a lot of it unless you have a specific license to buy directly from the fishmonger which Shellhaven Square do a few places do which costs a lot more money than a normal fishmonger the seafood has to travel up to the Sydney co-op mm. fish market and then back <laughs> down and it's like to me it's, it's a little bit backwards yeah, um, totally. and, and it shouldn't be as hard for um yeah, the local small producers. No way, should it? Yeah, they yeah, already pay thousands well, you think in their license. Like this, pay more to get this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, here's an example of that. But I've been to restaurants in. Uh, there's restaurants in Marimbula, yeah. where the the fishermen will come in with the fish. It'll go to Sydney from Marimbula and come back down. Exactly. Which is yeah. It's yeah, just, like it's, we're not allowed to its head, just mate. buy. It's off its head, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not allowed to just like. Someone show up with a fish and no. buy it from. Yeah, yeah. big, yeah. big fines. And yeah. in a sense, you understand why. But I've spoken it's, to fishermen, I've sense. spoken yeah. to restaurants, I've spoken to fishmongers, and not no one's happy with the situation. Mm. And you know, in, in Europe, you you go and um, you can sort of go to the, the yeah, boat. buy it off the boat. I mean, even I've got yabbies in my parents' now. I legally cannot take the yabbies that were put in the yeah, right and then serve them in the restaurant and yeah. there's something just not quite that's right a bit out of yeah it's because um, of people yeah. doing abusing like, that I mean, sort I don't of think you can yeah. doing the wrong thing isn't it like yeah. which there are certain things you can't shoot a you can't shoot a deer up a, up, up the escarpment and put it no. on your menu either even no. if like no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you need, you need a yeah. commercial license for all these things and it's, yeah. it's time consuming and expensive yeah. Yeah. and it's not even really worth it for just like 
someone who likes hunting to get yeah. a commercial license so they can give us like for the, a for deer, the, a deer for the past, you know for yeah. the 10 people that are actually like I mean you understand why the, their systems are in place but you know it's um, the tiny amount of people that are actually going to you know want to do this it's kind of mm. yeah, it's a bit backwards it's a tough one yeah anyway like I guess they just yeah you just got to be strict on quotas and stuff when it comes to sustain actual sustainability because if people are running stuff up to the markets but then also selling whatever off the boat it's just yeah. very hard to monitor yeah yeah. Yeah. So, yeah yeah I mean yeah some of the boats like yeah some of the boats will fish for you know like exactly they go out and target the fish they all mm. do but then then they also get their bycatch as well yeah, exactly. which is something that um, and some of it can be like. So yeah, right. Right. you always see that mixed seafood thing at you know see, at um you know all the random fish, yeah. whole fish at Shelton yeah. Square. All those little whiting, yeah, little red mm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but seafood I think is really difficult for people to get their heads around. Like chef, like just cooks, you know, people who want to cook food to stop people from going and buying a piece of salmon or buying. A, yeah. this every yeah. time and think outside the box and it's difficult to get fresh seafood even in Sydney it's, if you live yeah, in the yeah. suburbs and you don't want to pay 80 bucks a kilo for tuna it's, you know, it's pretty hard to yeah. to get good sustainably it's so it's seafood. so perishable like it's yeah. such must, must be such a hard game like yeah. talk yeah. to our fish about it well we're going to do we'll hopefully do a big podcast and try to get Con on and talk about some of these issues around mm. seafood because there's, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah, he seems like a busy guy. Mm. <laughs> All right, look, let's move on from local produce and we'll quickly talk a little bit about um, just the idea of, yeah, di- different career paths for, for chefs that aren't just, you know, working in the kitchen at a restaurant. Um, so you do a few other things outside of the farm table as well. What other sorts of things do you do, Brendan? Um, yeah, well, I guess um, I work as a private chef a little bit on yachts. I've done that on and off since about 2009 or 10. I spent three years working for a Sydney family. Uh, yeah, wealthy cool. Sydney dude. Yeah. Um, and then sort of since then I've done a lot of temporary work on yachts in Europe often in the summer kind of allows me to work hard for months on end and then go and do some R&D around Europe mm. um, <laughs> and then come back and do farm tables as well. It yeah. probably allows me to do that a bit more you know, easily. And um, So that's a portion. And then I also started making wine the last, probably started four years ago, five years ago, four years ago. It wasn't great then. Um, it's slowly getting better. <laughs> and I go and do vintage every year down in Adelaide with um, Naringa, a, a biodynamic producer and then I make my own wine in Sydney at the moment as well and um, so there's that I do a bit of educational sort of foraging tour um, experience things where I might take people into the forest and yeah, they look, they forage look really the mushrooms and, and people like it's all about experiences I think for yeah. people and whether it's like foraging on the coast and then we go up and I cook a, a lunch and utilize what we've found and they can actually see it as well and they pick it and um, yeah and people really really just get a real buzz out of it mm. And, um, mm. things like that so yeah I think that's yeah the, the diversity like I was saying before for me is, is the key and um, I guess wine now is kind of slowly sort of um, 
yeah, taking, bug, taking over a little bit soon. <laughs> but, that um, you know, that's, uh, yeah, for the next month and a half, I'm basically probably not going to, to do any pop-ups. I might do something down in Adelaide Hills at Naringo while I'm down there, but I'll spend probably three weeks down there. I'll probably spend three weeks up here making wine in Sydney, sourcing grapes from organic vineyards in out near Canoundra. Um, and um, and and then go down there and, and I, Aaron and I make a collaboration wine together and then I'll buy grapes off Aaron from Naringa and, and make my own wine using his facilities down there so I'll kind of have two different batches of What's your label called? Um, mine is called Carto okay. C-A-R-T-O and then um, and then with our collaboration wine is Nagato Okay. Which we haven't sort of released yet, but it'll be in the next um, next couple of months. We've bottled it, and the first one was a Shiraz Viognier, but um, a little bit more playful, and um, you know, I guess I make pretty sort of naturalish, backyardish wine here, and makes more refined, classic wine. So it's kind of a bit of a meat in the middle okay. um, sort of thing, and then um, yeah, it allows him to have a bit of a play and me to learn a bit more at the it's same good. time. So, and I think, yeah. you know, you guys do a lot of collab stuff and, and it's all, you know, it's just important for people to bounce ideas off each other and meet new people and, and, and you, you do a lot of more. do something and, different as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, such a connection to wine and, and the food because it comes down to farming and then um, sort of procedure of making it. So, yeah, it's something that, again, that the chefs, I know I've, I've been promising everyone I'll come up for a couple of days of vintage over the last couple of years and he gets around to it and say, yeah, no. Yeah, I would love to. Hey, yeah. Just um, go to Adelaide for like... Come down to so many people. Boys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely come. Had, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe next weekend. <laughs> that's, it's really cool too. I guess it brings the, um, the whole farm to table event kind of full circle when, when you've got a wine there that you've made as well. But um, the, yeah, that's just... Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's um, initially like I was sourcing wines from the region and probably they weren't it was good in that sense that it was local and from the region probably not the wine that I wanted to serve you know um, some of them using um, what, uh, sprays and, and whatnot. And, uh, so yeah then I started to make more natural wine and without the chemicals and additives and there's a lot of a lot of additives that people don't realise that are in normal wine and yeah I don't I don't have you know a list of wines I just have generally a white and a red and you can just drink sensibly you know, throughout the dinner, it's not like a, a one glass of this and it's all measured. It's um, it's pretty basic and it's and that's half the fun. You know? I like that. Um, white and a red. You want white yeah, or red? White or red. Yeah, yeah, it might have two. I reds only drink Chardonnay. Yeah. Well, we yeah. don't have Chardonnay. So white, 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 white is it? Chardonnay is white, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting the the, the balance between local and then your kind of ethos and what you want to do yeah. and that is a challenge sometimes that like you can go all local but if there's not the quality or the type of product you want yeah then how far do you no, go do yeah. you just throw the window and go grab the you know, exactly. what fits better yeah so there's always a kind of toss-up between yeah. uh, between that yeah yeah definitely and i mean yeah the the, the vineyards i mean locally they're, they're sort of you know doing all right like uh, south yeah. coast isn't renowned for for amazing yeah. wine i mean that, they, south coast would be, be very very hard to farm organically it's, yeah. it's the main problem yeah like, so southern highlands is, is similar and there's, there's very few organic there's no organic producers in the southern highlands and none down here but but in even saying that you know there's no excuse i don't think there's any excuses these days and in 
people using glyphosate in, in their vineyard and, and yeah. you know, you're seeing a, a vibrant grass down the middle of the rows and just dead grass under the under the vines. Mm, and there are, yeah, like it's 80, 90 percent of all vineyards, unless they're used an under hoe um, cutter which goes in and cuts the weed. But yeah, you know, for people to think that that's not going to end up in their grapes and it's and it's more beneficial for you to kill the weeds with this chemical than just let things grow in harmony. I mean, that's just common sense. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know the, why people don't really see see more of it. Um, across the board, people realize that monocultures and agriculture is, is not the way to go. Yeah, um, yeah. it's not working for, for the environment or the product. Yeah, and and hopefully there's a because there's been a lot of shift, uh, a lot of talk recently about that whole Roundup case and glyphosate in America and. Um, and I think Netherlands have banned it. Germany's on the way. You France is on the way. Um, Australian Farmers Federation said no. It's uh, there's no there's no link towards cancer. Um, we we seem so, to do that a lot down here, yeah, don't we? Always so, countries yeah, do yeah, things. I, I don't know who's paying who here, but we'll there's definitely a bit of money going around to to mm. to keep um, that that in, in usage. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think is there not any organic producers in the Highlands? No, not, not certified. <laughs> not certified. There's no list vineyard and yeah, yeah. By we, you know, and yeah, they might put a sheep in there and winter. And yeah, there's but there's some people who yeah. okay do that do less than others. Some people, yeah, yeah so sort of practices, but it, it's tough there. Like, like um, you can have a frost and lose fucking everything. Yeah. So then, then you do you spray something? Do you not? Do you lose it or do you, do you like? It's, it's such a Mm. And it's, it's a cool a, climate, so you, your yeah. moisture, you kind of dealing with a bit more wet, you know, later in the season too, because everything's not picked until yeah, it's, yeah. it'll be very late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like so, because there's there's ways you can farm organically in, in most climates, and there's examples around the world, but it's it's not cheap, it's not easy, and you need a lot of know-how as well. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, you can't just yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't just wing it. Yeah, you can't just leave, leave, leave <laughs> and go and then pick them when, when you feel and chuck them in the book. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. quite work like that. Cool. Um, I reckon we're just about ready to wrap it up. We said also another thing was like we won't make the podcast as long this year. So yeah, try, we try to, an hour and a half. Try to hour and a half max. Ma- max. Yeah, max. No um, is there anything? Is there anything else you want to make us aware of? Like we'll talk about events in a second. But is there any other points or thoughts around local produce? Anything that you guys wanted to mention before we wrap up? I, th- I think that there's some really easy steps you can use to, to use local stuff. I, th- I think trying to make your, your staples local, so it's really easy to find local cream and milk. It's, mm-hmm. it's not particularly more expensive, uh, it's really good quality, you get delivered to your door. Um, eggs, there's so many small egg suppliers, producers around this area that you can bring them up, they'll drop their eggs off, like, and it, it doesn't take any more time or money to do. I think if, if everyone kind of just made those staples, you know, like, olive oil like kangaroo valley olive oil it's great olive oil um, that's what we use now like little things like that like everyone, every, most restaurants most cafes at all levels can make a couple little steps to change over these things mm-hmm. and that will make quite a big difference to the local area local economy that's a good point if you're a restaurant owner out there if you're looking for any um, yeah. information call Simon yeah hit us up and, I'll, uh, I'll put you on to Tom yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll send you to his business partner to <laughs> give you all those contacts yeah. um, anything else guys for now? Uh, like apart from, yeah, I mean, you, you can, if you, I, my suggestion would be to, to go to your farmer's market, um, try and buy local produce and, and if you haven't got the time, yeah, um, you know, 
there's a lot of online. I'm sure there's for produce there now. I know some guys, some of the Sydney guys like Hoobie are delivering down here. A yep. lot of organic produce. You can actually... A guy in, <coughs> guys in Port Pembla that work with refugees. That yeah, yeah, yeah connected. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't got the time, do, you know, you can sort of then do that. I mean, it's a no-brainer for me, like, like you're saying about the olive oil. You know, you go into Woolworths or Coles, buy the Australian one, don't, don't buy the thing that's six months <laughs> yeah. old that's come yeah. out from Spain on a hot shipping container that's yeah. going to be cool. You know, it's always going to be better if you do support the local producers mm. here and, um, you know, and you can do that in so many ways. And, um, yeah, just yeah. To sort of stop and think about it, have a look at where the produce is from. If lemons are from California, you know, don't use them. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't use uh, them. Yeah. Simple as that. Um, yeah. yeah, well, actually, I wrote an article for the very first issue of Cold Coast magazine that was eight ways to shop local in Nilawara. So go, I mentioned yeah. some farm gate farm gates that are open. I know that the Dapto Community Farm opens their yeah. gates on a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kiama Farmers Markets and then other places that also have like a good range of local produce. And you can see that on their website, on the Cold Coast Mag website. Now, all right, let's wrap it up. Um Guys, got any events? Anything happening? I've got nothing happening. So we'll go. <laughs> I'm going to Japan for a few weeks to, to do February. some work That's over there. What's happening on the four? Oh, is it four days? Valentine's Day. Uh, no, nothing you happening on the. Not again. So, uh, <laughs> it's another another <laughs> Valentine's Day <laughs> by myself. Before then, steps free. If you are, yeah, exactly. If you, if you I'll, I'll be busy. If, so. if you want to come to Kavo. <laughs> no, we're full. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> 80, Eighty people booked. Bastard. Um, yeah, yeah, big week for restaurants. Valentine's Day coming up. Yeah, Right, so don't book at Cavoke any, any spots at Babyface. A couple of like Day. I think five thirty. Yeah, okay, cool. We want an early dinner? We need grandparents in there for the early bird yeah, special. Yeah, yeah, push people to go out. It's after high. Eight o'clock and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got eight thirty spots. Everyone wants to the same time. Yeah, yeah. We've kind of had to limit it this year to slots. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to talk about? What you've got coming up for your businesses, or you know, 2019? This is the first podcast of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, more, more of the same, better. Okay, I guess. Nice. So, yeah, <laughs> some, some good winding is lined up. Um, <laughs> more of the same, but better. Better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Some more interesting ingredients. It's got magpie goose on the moment, which is, uh, makes us the only restaurant in New South Wales using it. Um, cool. One of the directions in Australia using it as like a main course as well. So that's been really interesting to see the people's people's feedback to that. Mm. Um, What's it been like? Uh, good, yeah. It's um, I, the first time I did that, I dried it for like two weeks, and it tastes a lot like liver. I thought mm. that might throw people too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah a bit too much dried on that. Um, so I've been doing it less, and it's, it's a bit a lot more fresher, sort of gamey. Yep. Uh, but yeah, delicious, and um, we're pretty happy to have it on something that uh, Aboriginal people have been eating for thousands of years. Mm. It's been completely forgotten about. Mm. So pretty happy to have that on. Nice. Cool. Andy, uh, anything got, else? Um, first, where are we? February. February, yeah. Already. Yeah. yeah, so uh, end of March, I'm doing something down in, we're just in chats trying to figure it all out, uh, down at Pilot in Canberra. So they opened in September. So Ross, Dash, and the head chef, Mal Hanslow. So Mal's background's Sydney, like Automata, Esther, um, oscillate wildly and then he's moved down there to be the head chef for Ross and Dash um, and they're, they're lovely I went down for lunch when I was um, on leave um, to just experience what they're doing and chat to them a bit more about it so I'm going to do a Saturday night and Sunday sort of menu 
collab menu with Mal down there, and then Mal's going to come up here in April, date to be yet to be decided, um, to do two days at the restaurant. So we'll just do a tasting menu for two cool. days. Um, we'll do a Sunday lunch and a Saturday night. So sort of stay tuned for the date on that, um, or if you're around in Canberra. Mm. The, Get into Pilot anyway if you're down first. there. Yeah, it's so good. Shout out so to Pilot. Good. That was yeah, really cool. such a good crew. Yeah. Um, and then we'll also want to do something for our third birthday, which will be more of a um, big bash wine party style thing. Nice. Um, so going to try and work that out. And just, yeah, just I'm sort of spending some time this week going through what we're going to do for the next probably five for six months yeah <laughs> I don't know about that um, and we, we've just got a lot happening at the restaurant at the moment just implementing some nice new touches um, as far as like just little things napkins and um, getting some plates I going through different people to make some plates for, a spe- for specific dishes and um, sound panelling the whole restaurant curtain put up at the, getting a curtain done for the front of the restaurant it's funny all these little touches yeah. and things like that like just you know, one tenth of one percent of Im- improvements, yeah. but they're all necessary. It's, and it's necessary. It's consuming as well. It's like a lot of hard work. Like, but yeah, we're putting just the wine lists together. We've had a lot of wine being put away for a while, so we're about to sort of that'll go on the list um, in March, which will double the size of the wine list, and then we're going to add a few more wines in, which will again increase the numbers and nice. Um, just balance it out, trying to balance it all out a bit. And yeah, so we're just focusing on the next kind of two months and implementing a bunch of little shit there and, and cool. working on yeah what we'll do for the year and brendan you've got vintage at the moment so no no farm tables no, planned. no dinner's booked i mean um yeah i'll probably like i said i'll probably spend a fair chunk of march down in adelaide hills at moringa yeah and would like to put on a sort of harvest dinner vintage dinner or lunch down there and try and make it a bit more interactive so people can check out the wine mid-ferment, have a bit of a stomp on grapes, you know, that sort of thing, because, um, again, it's pretty raw for people to see yeah. what wine is like, and it's it has a <laughs> juice turning to, starts fermenting, and the aromas that, that it takes on, and, um, yeah, so maybe something like that, and then, you know, I'd hope to sort of do some more dinners, and, um, yeah, after that, and then work out what's happening in April, when I head overseas, or... Um, Stay put. Yeah, cool. Keep us posted on your dates. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe get even. Yeah, take a long weekend. Come down and yeah, for sure. Who's back breaking? Um, (laughs) I I want to plug. I want to plug my radio show. Um, it's called Food for Thought, which which might be the the name of the this podcast (laughs) eventually. Um, but it's not it's not all about food. It was originally about food, which is kind of why I named that named it that it's a community radio show on box fm on tuesday nights from 8 till 10 p.m so i've got one tonight um and what we're doing i've got a sort of a fortnightly co-host amy ferrell who's just opening a small bookshop and sort of uh free school up in the mall uh and we're just trying to talk to interesting individuals and organizations around the illawarra that are working on issues whether they be environment social issues political issues, cultural issues, those sorts of things, people who are doing cool things and making change. And we're just doing sort of like relatively long interviews with them. Um, We're also having all the music curated by local musicians for each week. 
and 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 we do like a weekly culture guide which has like live music and all the cool events that are happening around the Illawarra and it's getting really cool like like now that I've got more time to put into it this this year I'm really enjoying doing it and we're getting some cool guests on so tonight is Dylan Longbottom who's a professional big wave surfer from Port Kembla um we've got Alex Haynes from the Suicide Prevention Collaborative coming on next week uh and a bunch of other really cool people from around the Illawarra so Tune in. Uh, you can follow Food for Thought Wollongong Community Radio on Facebook. Uh, two, email this podcast. If you want to come on and talk about some issues, if you've got any suggestions or ideas for us, you can email us at info at quicksandfood.com or get in touch with us via social media. I'm quicksandfood on everything and quicksandfood.com is the website. Simon? Uh, Simon underscore Evans underscore provoke. Right. I just want a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't had to say it for a while. Underscores everything. Type in Kavo, you'll find the rest. Okay. C-O-V-E-A-U, you'll find Check out Kavo on social media. Yeah. And you'll find a wine bar in Paris as well, probably. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> or the in the nightclub. Beer in yeah, stripper. <laughs> at Chef Andy Burns, um, at David Face Kitchen, at two underscore smoking barrels. And your social media stuff? Or? Yeah, uh, just at the farm table. Yeah. F-A-R-M-E-D and um, at Brendan Cato. Yeah. Cool. Stay in touch, guys. Yeah, and if you yeah, like if you want to get in touch for anything, suggestions for podcasts, if you want to be a guest, if you've got something that you want us to talk about, we love your feedback and we've got plenty happening this year. We'll hopefully take this podcast on the road. So if you're anywhere in Australia, um, we'll probably start in Sydney. We'll head down to Canberra, maybe South Coast, maybe Southern Highlands. We'll see how it goes. But... We hope you enjoyed this one and plenty more good ones to come. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks. guys. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Thanks Brendan. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.